0: Evangelist, evangelist, evangelist is still in here and there, and uh, about two years ago, God shifted this to, uh, we're looking for a place to passion, and uh, in that, I was still working full time, I worked with fire for 26 years, two different departments, and uh, my God, what's this look like, and uh, so about six months later or so, I went out on medical disability, Look, over the last couple years, almost two years ago, God told me to do the season of rest. I found that rest requires a lot of patience. And and I've done a lot of seeking, a lot of soul searching. And God's been doing a lot of things in my life, just letting me just learn how to minister and how to look at people and how to love people and how to to, to quite frankly feel those times. And uh, you know, regardless of what season you're in, God served with you. Whether it's a season you're busy with work, or a season you're seeking, you searching, or even when it's in a good season. When it's a season of a child that, that's not feeling well, that's has a sick issue, we have two kids personal idea, we had our surgery babies, And now they're I bet. I bet. Crazy, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm getting there. I, 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 I've actually got some change I had in my pocket. Judy got our bucket and all that. And so before we turn these children loose to children's church, all you kids, I think, remember how to work this, right? You go stand and look real pitiful in front of every adult and say, no, you don't look pitiful. You look wonderful. So, tell uh, you what, all you kids, Judy's already left the piano, so you just go ahead and come on. Go to play the piano. Boys go in the blue bucket. Girls going to go in the... It's okay. it's 30, 30. Okay, 30. Okay, i the use this money to save the lost, raise the lost and train the family. In Jesus' name, Jesus name. amen. Thank God. 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 Sister Freda, we're going to let you take them out whenever you're ready. Glory to the Lamb. Rick DeBose one time talking to someone and it was a younger man and the young man was talking about having a PowerPoint and all that and Rick said well I can use them but you know I don't have to have one and there's been times it didn't work or went to a church and they didn't have it the young guy said well what do you do if there's no PowerPoint how in the world can you preach without a PowerPoint how can you hold their attention? Brother Devos looked at him and said, The anointing? Amen. Our, uh, I thought I, I, I had some points so you'd be able to see it on the screen. And it was not cooperating with me today. So, we're not going to worry about it. Amen? I started this with part one. And... In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, there's seven letters that we understand as you read through all of it that God sent to the angel, messenger, which actually translates as to the pastor of each of those seven churches. And it actually applied to that church right then and there in their day but you know what it applies to us today how many of you know john 3 16 still applies Amen. Hallelujah. You know, so it applies to us and we found out that you know in those letters god tells us how much jesus loves the church god tells us what jesus desires in the church and what he condemns in the church what he warns against and what he rewards He, uh, the Lord wants the church, (laughs) the things He does not want in the church. He doesn't want us to fail to maintain that relationship with Jesus and the Father. Somebody say amen. amen. He doesn't want us to leave biblical faith and go into other things. He doesn't want us to tolerate immorality. He doesn't want us to tolerate being spiritually dead or lukewarm and substituting just outward success and affluence for what real spirituality and purity and righteousness brings. He does praise when we do not follow that that's evil, when we test the doctrine and claims of people who would lead. He does praise standing strong in faith and serving and even when we suffer for Jesus. Yeah, that's the part we don't like. And he praises overcoming sin, Satan, and the world system. I'm not gonna spend time on this. You can go back online if you haven't, by the way. Purdyfullife.com. You can go to the sermons and you can pick these up. There were seven warnings don't leave your first love. There's coming persecution. Don't compromise. Don't allow demonic spirits to influence. Don't just go through the motions. Don't just play church, be the church. Somebody say amen. There is a time of temptation and testing. We would maybe use the word tribulation coming on the world. But Jesus is coming. Y'all, there's a warning that we need to heed there. There's a warning against being lukewarm, amen. And you know what? I titled this message when when Jamie was asking me about a title of, you know, what the Spirit is saying to the church. You realize seven times God says, "He that has an ear, let him hear." What the Spirit says to the church, reach over and pull your neighbor's ear. No. But if you got ears, you know, we ought to be able to hear. Amen? Amen? But how many of us realize that there's a lot of times what happens is that we may can physically hear, but we don't spiritually hear. Amen? And I believe that's what God's trying to get across to us today. And really what He's saying is we need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. And we've got warnings But if we heed those warnings, there's reward. Somebody say amen. 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 If we heed the warning, if we listen to what God's saying in those seven letters, and like I said, go back and listen to to message number one on the seven warnings, and you'll be able to pick up on that again. But if we listen to the warnings, there's rewards. We're going to listen to the rewards this morning. Praise God. Now... Hold your Bible up. E-version or tree version. Electronic or paper. Say it out loud with me. This is my Bible. It's God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. So I boldly declare it. My mind is renewed. My body is healed. I'm saved by God's grace. And I live by His Spirit. Amen. Praise God. If you want to turn in the book of Revelation to chapter 2, and if I see you on your phone, you're surely in your Bible and not on Facebook. But Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, "...he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God." There's a reward there, church. If we listen, if we heed what God says, there's the tree of life that we get to eat from. Now, whether that's allegorical or whether or not God's actually got something, it doesn't matter to me. Because, you know, I I figure we're going to be able to fish in the river that flows from the throne. And we're going to have fish fry and... Okay, well, it doesn't matter whether you agree with that or not. But anyway, it's, that's, that's Wilsonology. But you know, the first reference to a tree of life is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. The Bible says that God planted the tree of life in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. But then when Adam and Eve sinned, God drove them from that garden. And Scripture says so that they could not eat of the tree of life and you go what in the world would God do that for in essence what in the world that was saying is it just simply God did not want Adam and Eve to exist eternally in a fallen sinful state so he drove them from that rather than allow them to have that eternal condition stay on them I think what that says to us y'all is that The greatest reward we've got is eternal life. Boy, you missed a good place to say amen. The greatest reward we've got is eternal life. Really, when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says that we become a new creature, that we're made one spirit with the Lord, that all of our sins are forgiven. And you literally receive eternal life then. Some people say, well, when I die, I'm going to get eternal life. You better have eternal life before you die. Amen. Amen. You know, but I believe that what God is saying to us is that he wants us to live eternally with him. Well, you need to chew on that sometime today. Amen. Now, look at verses 10 and 11 in Revelation chapter 2. Because this is the second one. And it says this. It says, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Boy, doesn't that sound exciting. How many of you know that in this life you can have troubles, trials. There there can be suffering. Amen. Amen. How many of you know God don't let it last too long. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. That you may be tried. You shall have tribulation ten days. That's just speaking of a period of time. Be thou faithful unto death. I'll give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Let me just say it this way. This reward just ties right into the first one. We receive eternal life. We, we, We receive a crown of life. And we escape the second death, which is a lake of fire. You realize that really I think the main thought I want you to get out of this is you don't have to go to hell. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, if there really is a loving God, like you say, a loving God, but not send people to hell. A loving God has done everything, including sending his own son to suffer unspeakable pain and torment so that you and I don't have to God isn't sending anybody to hell the ones that wind up there are going because they totally reject the salvation God's given y'all there's a reward eternal life it's not just eternal life it's the escape from eternal torment y'all we are a spirit being you're not ever going to cease to exist. That's the miracle of birth. Even when you see, when you see these children, these, you know, these infants, when, when a human being comes into existence, there's a spirit being created. Now, how that happens, I have absolutely no idea. God doesn't explain that. I'm glad He doesn't. That'd be like me trying to sit and... I, I, <laughs> our, our oldest daughter's husband is a high-level computer programmer. And he used to try, oh, he would get so excited. His name's David. David sat there and he began to tell me all about this algorithm he was writing and how he was putting this code in here and this code in there and that code did this and this code did that. And, you know, I'm pretty savvy when it comes to a lot of technology stuff and working with computers. But as he looked at me, you know, and my eyes start glazing over, he finally kind of realized, I've lost you, hadn't I? I said, yeah, you lost me when you left the part to turning the computer on. You know, I, no, not really. But, I mean, it, You get into all that code and all that. You know, I, I know how to use them. <laughs> I don't know how to write them. But if God were to give us everything of how... You know, let me explain to you how I create life. I think our eyes would just glaze over. Amen? But I'm so glad that we don't have to spend eternity Somewhere that's eternal torment. Yeah, I, 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 y'all. There's a lot of times I've thought, and, and this is Wilsonology. But there's times I've thought, Lord, you know, I mean, there, there's some people that deserve some hell. They they deserve some flames of torment. I mean, we think of somebody like Hitler. We think of some uh, some of these evil, evil people who have existed. And people who've killed other people and tormented innocent people and all the rest of it—I mean, yeah, boy, you know, give give that one about a million years there, God. You know, but the Bible never says that they get out. It's eternity. Hmm. Number three is in Revelation two seventeen. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth saveth he that receiveth it oh man that blessed me I got to meditating on that we get a new name we get a new name I I know you go through the Bible and you know God puts a lot of stock in names I mean Jacob meant supplanter deceiver God gave him a new name Israel, a prince with God, gave Abram a new name. Abraham, father of a multitude. God gives you and me a new name. Instead of being called sinner, we're called saint. Mm. Instead of being called drunk, we're called sober. (laughs) Instead of being called a druggie, we're called delivered. Instead of being called immoral, we're called virtuous. Instead of being called a liar, we're called a truth teller. Instead of being called perverted, we're called precious. Instead of pathetic, we're powerful. Instead of sick, we're healed. Instead of dead, we're alive. Instead of lost, we're found. Somebody ought to just praise God for a minute. God gave you a new name. And I don't know, when we get up to heaven and He's going to say, Well, your name's not Wilson anymore. It's, I don't know. But God gives us a new name. In other words, God gives you a whole new identity. And it starts when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And you know what? It that, that starts with a prayer. And then you follow along from there. Well, what if I stumble? What if I fall? Well, you get up. How many of you can walk instead of crawl like you did when you were a baby? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? You know, babies crawl, and then all of a sudden they start pulling up, and then they start walking, and inevitably they fall down. Of course, they're so close to the ground, it doesn't do too much. You know. But seriously, how many times do we fall? I mean, I remember riding a bicycle. How many times do you fall? You fall a bunch, but you get up. Mm. Lord. In Revelation, the 29th verse of the second chapter, God says, I'll give him the morning star. That's the King James. The New Living Translation says it this way. They will have the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. It's kind of a twofold reward there. Number one, we have authority. Y'all, there's a lot of times I think we stand around going, God, I, I, I need you to just, Lord, you need to, 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 to get the devil off my case. God, you need to get the devil off my case. God, you need to get, get rid of this and get rid of that in my life. I remember a story of one old preacher years and years ago. And I'm not trying to harp on something that some people kind of go, Well, I, well that sends you to hell because it's tobacco and uh, this lady dipped snuff. And some people kind of go, Well, you know, tobacco won't send you to hell. No, but it usually makes you smell like you've been there. That'll hit some of you on the way home. But... The whole point of it was is, you know, she wanted to get rid of that. And she was down at the altar and she was kneeling there and she was getting really loud and in her prayer, kind of, you know, getting louder and everybody else and oh, she was just crying out, oh Jesus, take it. Jesus take it. Jesus take it. And the preacher finally walked over there too. And he said, ma'am, what do you want Jesus to take? She said, I want him to take this old snuff. And he looked at her and he said, ma'am, he don't dip. (laughs) There's sometimes we need to take authority. Yeah. Okay, some of us are going to have to think on that. About halfway home, he's going to (laughs) figure it out. We have authority. And y'all, there's times that we, we have authority over demons. We have authority over the evil one. We can take authority in our homes. We can take authority over our own lives. We can take authority over our own thoughts. And you say, well, I can't help it if that thought comes into my mind. Well, you know what? You can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you can sure help it if we're building a nest in your hair. Mm. We're given authority. The second part of that is that we're joined together with Jesus for eternity. Jesus, according to another place in the book of Revelation, is the morning star. We need to take that authority. I wrote a little note to myself down here. You know, I think a lot of times we look and we're just you know begging God to do something when the Lord is saying, you take the authority that I gave you and you use it in my name. And a lot of times we just want to walk around feeling kind of pitiful and you know, Lord, just look at me. I'm oppressed. Lord, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm beat down. Look at me, Lord. Feel y'all everybody feel sorry for me. I got one word. We can't be pitiful and powerful at the same time. Amen. Hmm. in Revelation chapter 3 in verse 5 he says he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life but I'll confess his name before my father and before his angels Mm. Uh, there's some powerful powerful truth in this Because we stand for Jesus in this life, Jesus will stand before the Father for us in the next... Mm. Our name will not... Turn somebody and say not. Not be blotted out of the book of life in heaven. Now, I'm I'm, going to take just a second here and I'm I'm, going to be pastor for just a little bit. There's different camps at different times where people want to look at Scripture and they'll use as a proof text where Jesus said, you know, no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. And that's true Scripture. Absolutely true. But if you want to take that and say, you can go out and, you know, I I prayed the sinner's prayer, and let's say you actually meant it when you prayed it. But then you want to just go and say, well, you know, I've, I got saved. Now that's great, that's wonderful, but then the more you look around you, the more you begin to see some of the pleasures of this life and the sins of this life. And Other people seem to be getting away with it. and They seem to be doing all right in life. Well, you just kind of begin to do just a little bit and then you begin to sin here and then a little bit of sin there and a little bit more and a little bit, of you know, just added on there and then you feel a little bit guilty and then you override that And again, feel a little bit more guilty. There's a point, you know, the Bible teaches the wages of sin is death. It also teaches that sin will harden your heart. And you say, well, what sin is supposed to be the sin that sends me to hell? I, I don't know that I'd tell you that any one individual sin would do that. But sin will cause you to harden your heart to a place where you reject the blood of Jesus. And you trample underfoot the blood of the covenant. And what you once counted precious and understood, now you reject. Sin is dangerous. A good friend of mine says, you know, the devil wants you to stay in sin. If you just stay in sin, it's like letting the bully at school take and eat your lunch and pop the bag. (laughs) But the whole point is this. No, you don't live on a spiritual banana peel. It it takes me a series of messages to actually teach you. matter of fact, years and years ago, I've still got the notes on it. I did a series called Sin, Sinners, and Saints and how it affects both. But the point of it is, is, no, you don't live on a spiritual banana peel. Where, oh no, I said a bad word, I'm going to hell. No, you're not. Repent. Oh, I had a bad thought, I'm going to hell. No, you're not. Repent. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. Oh, repent. I mean, 1 John 1, 9 was written to the church. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is faithful just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, whenever you do sin, what we got to learn how to do if you're born again is run to God, not away from God. Satan wants to lie to you and say, Well, God's mad at you now. God's going to slap you upside the head if you try to come to him and tell him, Oh, Lord, I sinned. And, Lord, I, I must have, you know, I, I messed up real good. Like when you finally decide you're going to pray about that, that that's when God found out about it. Really? Yeah. Uh, Y'all got already knew about it. The whole point is no, you're not on a spiritual banana peel, but the devil wants to get you to a place where you just allow sin to harden your heart. And there is the possibility of our name being blotted out. You say, you just try and scare me. I wish I could sometimes. We ought to have a reverent fear of God. Yes, He's the loving Heavenly Father, but He's also the righteous judge. And somewhere we need to balance that. Boy, that's good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> Turn somebody and say, run to God. Amen. Amen. Don't run away from me. In the 10th and 11th, 12th verses of Revelation 3, he just simply says, because you've kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, hold fast, which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God. The name of the city of my God. Mm. We've had really several messages. And I don't want to get into that this morning. I'm talking about rewards. But there is a time of great tribulation and testing that's going to come on the entire earth. Jesus himself prophesied it in Matthew 24. A couple of other places in the the Gospels. But I want you to look past the thing of troubles and trials coming on the earth. I do believe God teaches us that no matter how bad it gets. And I'm serious on that, no matter how bad it gets. Y'all realize in some parts of the world, Christians have been beheaded in our lifetime. Matter of fact, they're currently and presently under very strong persecution. In some countries, it's under death. There are places, I mean, when we were in the Bible college uh, at Global University, I, I know we had students... Many of them in some Middle Eastern countries, and I could tell you how they operate some of the things and how they do some things, but uh, stuff you don't need to by any means put on social media because it could wind up really damaging somebody. But the point is, is that people over there, even right under the noses of those that would love to kill them, I mean, they're they're having revival, they're having people born again, they're they're baptizing new believers, they're they're just. They're they're seeing God do powerful and awesome things but yet that's in the midst of persecution. Now, will we ever see that kind of persecution where we live? I don't know. I hope not. But even up in our neighbor north of us, Canada, they're arresting churches. Matter of fact, they burned churches, destroyed some uh, very... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Cathedrals. Yeah, yeah, some beautiful cathedrals, uh, historic. That's the word I'm looking for. Buildings. There are churches that have been padlocked. The authorities have put up fences around the church to keep people from going in. And you know, so yeah, there there's some stuff that's coming. There really is. But I believe that there will be a seven year tribulation period when God deals with national Israel. There's going to be Gentiles that will get saved in that period, but it's going to be much, it's going to be difficult. But before that period begins, I believe God's saying to you and to me what he said to this church here we've got a little strength. And that's really all we need. All you need is a little faith. Faith as the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. All we need is just faith in the name of Jesus. There are those that have not denied the name of Jesus. And God said He's making us pillars. You've heard people talk about, well, they're the pillar of the community. Well, that means they're influencing it means that, you know, that, that, that's, that's kind of where that is. Whatever, whether it's a company, whether it's a church, whether it's a community. God's making you and me pillars. Y'all, the church is what's holding this thing together. The church is holding back the, the just literal tsunami of evil. The church is The church is us. But, y'all, one thing God spoke to me is that we're going up. We're looking for the uptaker, not the undertaker. Amen? We're looking for the Christ, not the antichrist. Praise God. So there's, there's a reward that we escape the wrath that's coming. And I don't know about you. I know enough when, when I was growing up, if, if I got mom and daddy mad at me enough, uh, that wasn't good, especially if Daddy pulled his belt off. Amen? Amen. So I'd just as soon get rid of wrath. Right. Amen? We can escape the wrath. Now, I'm on the last one, and it's in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. In the New Living Translation, it, Jesus said this. This is the words of Jesus. He's talking to you, and He's talking to me. How do I start this message? What is the Spirit saying to us? Amen? Jesus says, look at me. Now, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Jesus says, look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to suffer with you. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my Father. That's my gift to the conquerors. I I don't know I I have these flashbacks remember the movie Rocky Balboa and uh, don't think on it too long but you know here's this prize fighter and he goes through and does all the beating up and then he gets bruised and bloody and, and, and hurt and pain and he does all this, and when he gets through with the prize fight and he won, then he goes into the the box office and they give him this big old check because he's the one that conquered. And he goes out with that big old check and he hands it to that little old, you know 112 pound sweet lady that he runs around with, and she goes woohoo! And she's holding a check. She's more than a conqueror. Y'all, that's what we are. Jesus fought the fight. But we're more than a conqueror. And I think the reward really is saying, Jesus is just saying, you know, I'm standing at the door. And all you've got to do is invite me in. God will not force himself on anyone. And you can kick him right back out. God will never force His way into your life. But Jesus promises this thing of sitting down to supper with us. (laughs) In other words, I'll live, abide. I'll, I'll be the friend that's there. It's His abiding presence and salvation. And you know, the language there just... It's kind of like what God has said in other places. There's the marriage supper of the land that we're going to live. We're going to, we're, going to, we're going to experience that. I don't know. Sometimes it's just kind of funny, I guess, but I thought, you know what? That's got to be the biggest church dinner we ever went to. And it doesn't matter if your favorite is fried chicken or dumplings. Or meatloaf. Or you can even be vegan. God's going to have what you need. Y'all, there's rewards for serving the Lord. There's rewards for serving the Lord. I've heard people say things like, well, you know, even if this all was just a fantasy and you die, you're just gone... There's no more remembrance. There's no more. I mean, we're just gone. You know, even if we did, well, you know, you would have lived a good life. But you know what? It doesn't work that way. Because we are eternal spirit beings. And I think what God's saying to you and to me this morning is are we prepared? Are we ready? Will we receive reward or rejection? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is that day where we fully commit, surrender everything to the one who gave everything for us. Judy, come on up. I want to do this kind of an old-fashioned way. Just feel led to. I want to ask you to stand with me. You know what your needs are. You know where your life is. You know what your experience is with the Lord. Whether you've just begun to walk with Him, whether you've walked with Him for 50 years. I think we have to re prepare our hearts. And I think that's a consistent thing. It's not that you're getting saved over and over and over again. You're just committing over and over and over again. Being refilled with His Spirit over and over again. And I want to give an invitation this morning, not to just one, but to all of us. And that includes me come and find a place either to kneel at this altar, to stand at the front, wherever you feel comfortable, kneel on the front row, and just find a place to make that recommit. And just let the Lord, just, just, Lord, I want to receive. part of the